your story, you wrote your story. Yeah. I actually wrote it for him, Nick. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just, like, like, God has something to do Executive with it. Executive produced by. <laughs> You're like a character. Right. You know, like, right. Eyes, create these like boy band characters. I actually created <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, right. We needed <laughs> one. Hey, Metalworking Nation. Jason Zenger here. I want to tell you about Palo Alto Networks. They offer zero trust for OT without the PTSD. Keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make the coolest operations director wake up with night sweat, and we don't want that. Zero Trust OT Security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. The Palo Alto Network Solution provides exceptional OT protection with over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures supported. It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing zero trust across all operations. We know right now that security at manufacturing companies is critical, and you need to take action on this. So sleep better with the most comprehensive platform to detect, manage, and secure OT assets. Learn how the Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust for OT Security Solution can achieve 351% ROI over five years. To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Nick, get the knives away from Drew when he's drinking beers. <laughs> Why? Sharp. What are you trying to say, man? Sharp. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Making Chips. As manufacturing leaders, we go through seasons, seasons of struggle and seasons of celebration. But if you are connected to a community of leaders, you will be equipped to make the most of the peaks and you'll be inspired to move quickly through the valleys. What you will hear is not just our opinion. It is the battle-tested testimonial and advice of a manufacturing leader just like you. So listen up and take notes. Welcome to Making Chips Seasons. Drew, you've got Here one on your belt. We're back again. We're back. We're back. You have years. you have a making chips episode under your belt as a guest host. Like, I do, it and like? it feels really good to have that notch, man. Yeah. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm on the other side of the table finally. Yeah, and the chemistry is as great as it's always oh, been. Yeah. But it's like, how many years ago was it when we did the manufacturing a fruit salad episode with you? Man, that had to be three, maybe, because I was still at ranking. Let's go back there. What was like? How has making chips kind of like? How could we take credit for all of your success? No, 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 I'm not saying <laughs> I was that. about to give it to y'all, so <laughs> be ready. <laughs> I was, no, Nick, it's funny because I was trying to phrase it in a way that wasn't that. I don't, and I just blasted through the door, like, just because I knew that's what you were trying to <laughs> do. Yo, no, low key, and I'm glad that we've got this opportunity, and this is, I wanted to pass forward, so in the theme of gratitude and gratefulness fueled by manufacturing, People ask me all the time, like, Drew, how are you on? I headlined IMT. I had five different keynote stages upstairs and downstairs throughout the whole week at IMTS. I'm at every major show with a major stage 
and I've never filled out an RFQ request for speakers. Yeah. I've never had to sell myself as a speaker. Yeah. I never stopped working as a speaker from the day that I was on the first make. I literally had to quit my job as a teacher at Rankin Technical College to be able to fulfill all of the requests that came from that first domino fall. That's awesome. So, no way. Really? It was that impactful? Bro, I went from... Can I name yeah, stuff? Yeah, all right, yeah. So I went from making chips and then I did like some smaller podcasts. Shout out to y'all. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah, the you next... You can name them. Whatever. I don't remember them. <laughs> They're not making chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, you're not making chips. You're not no making money. No disrespect. Hopefully y'all are. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, different impact. So hopefully they're doing something. But smaller certain things there. And then Bryce and the group from Modern Machine Shop reached out. And they were doing a podcast series, Made in America. It was six different series. And I was invited to help close out that series. So I had an episode after making chips with that because they heard me on making chips. And then that turned into speaking at the Top Shops conference that year alongside the president of AMT, my boy, Doug, Doug Woods. Woods. Yeah. <laughs> what up, Doug? And then... <laughs> what up, Doug? What is that from? <laughs> you know, Doug, the show, right? The cartoon. No. Oh, Different you know, generation. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, that was our life. You call me old. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm <laughs> Did just, you watch Doug? I'm calling I mean, us young. Do you know who Quail Man is? No. Stop. Okay, that's because you're old. He never put your underwear and a belt on your head. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm no, so it was Arthur and Doug for me after school. But I was of the Beavis and Butthead generation. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So we were right after that. There you go. <laughs> is that the yeah. kind of humor that it was? Yeah. No, no. It was like this it was was Nickelodeon. It was like for kids. Oh, okay. This was like Arthur. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little cooler. Okay. Yeah, definitely like a little older than ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, man. So thank you guys, man. Let me express my gratitude for sure for not only multiple episodes, but helping me launch this career uh, in turn, helping change our industry by the different platforms that I have. And again, circling back and coming full circle and us doing this together. Yeah. Giving me the platform to be able to let other people Mm-hmm. Get a taste of that. Action yeah, now too. you're a guest host, not just a guest. I mean, it's Come our on. pleasure to have you back. And I mean, you made it. I mean, yeah. we're just happy that we can provide a platform that people can get their voices out. It's the stories that rise to the yes, top. Yes, exactly. True. Exactly. You could have tried to hire like an agent before that, and maybe he would have got you on some podcast. But really, it's the story. Your story, you wrote your story. Yeah. I actually wrote it for him, Nick. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, we like to think God has something to do Executive with Executive produced by. <laughs> You're like a character. Right. You know, right. I, I create these like boy band characters. I actually created <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, right. We needed <laughs> one. <laughs> Drew 2.0 coming that larger too. than like The whole like ranking thing that was all made up. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It was part of the script. Right. <laughs> he was actually teaching cooking show. And I was like, he's got some personality. <laughs> we got to bring him to manufacturing. <laughs> See what it cook up over here. <laughs> All right. No more beers, Jason. <laughs> right, right. It's where we're going. You know what I'm saying? The culture dictates if any of us have a job, right? Yeah, right. And I think you guys saw at an early time or just maybe you guys were crazy, but we didn't have any podcasts. There were podcasts. That was Jason's vision. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. I, you know what I'm we saying? We got to stop giving each other credit for stuff, dude, because it's really awkward. Turn it to the circle jerk. Yeah. No, but, no, no. Too many beers. I'm sorry. But, no. to beep that. Yeah, we you can know. beep that one. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so power, power out. But no, so that just goes to. But you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I had the fortunate opportunity to come to you guys' platform where 
you are the top. So it's like having my initial large stage opportunity was at the AMTs were lit. The Doug Woods were listening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, The Modern Machine Shops were listening. So it's definitely the platform. But then like you guys said, I think you're bigger than making shows now. Now you're towing us. Like we're still just (laughs) Jason Zenger and Nick Olner. You know, we don't have like six nicknames. Yeah. (laughs) You know, y'all definitely not the MFG, but (laughs) there can only be one. No, but but that's what it is, man. There's somebody on this show that we're going to talk to in a minute that is like even doper than me. You know what I'm saying? So when we have these opportunities to greatness oh my goodness and it's gonna be so great so it's already so great but that's how we write those stories by getting those platforms having people champion us so we can champion other people and then we keep pushing that thing forward yeah before we get to our guests though you've selected one of our segments you got something for us i do man and again gratitude like shouting people out that are doing the right thing putting the leadership spotlight on something yeah putting it down who are we shining the spotlight on? We are shining the spotlight on my boy, Mark Bosworth. I call him Boz. He was an alumnus of Rankin as well. And now he runs the department at Southwestern Illinois College. And he is single-handedly doing so much for us as an industry to close this workforce gap. He's training up people. He's finding the people. He's filling butts and seats. He's trying new things. They've got a manufacturing trailer. I've never seen this from a technical college, but they're pulling up on high schools all over the United States and showing people real time how to make stuff in the back of this thing. So he's innovative. Okay, so I want to hear this. So yeah. they pull up. They're pulling a trailer. Yeah. What's on the trailer? What's on the trailer? So they've got a UR robot. They've got a couple tabletop lays. Yeah. They got some mini mills in there. And I believe they got a 3D printer. And then they've got championship pieces from when they won Project MFG a couple times. They've got Skills USA championship no, pieces. It's like a food truck for manufacturing. Man, yes. <laughs> and then on the outside, there is a wrap. And on this wrap, there is women, there's black and brown people, there's somebody that looks like everybody. Yeah. Excuse me. So no matter where you are in the country, you're going to see somebody that looks like you and then be sucked into this manufacturing vortex. Once you get on that trailer, you never it's go It's over, bro. All we got you. Your family. There, that's for it. it. There's somebody as good looking as Nick and I? Me. Yes. So. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the trailer's just a big yeah. picture of Drew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Three different ways. <laughs> there <laughs> so, you go. It's AI. It's really dope now. Like, well, uh, shout out to you, Boz. Yeah. Shout out to Boz. Shout out to everybody at SWIG. Thank you for what you're doing for the region, for the industry. They're not just getting more bodies, but they're like putting fifth access machines in front of these kids, all the newest technology. And they need about a thousand more buzzes out there. Come on, man. So let's go. So I got a couple other things that I want to throw out there. So thank you for that, by the way. First of all, thank you for inviting us out to St. Louis. It's great to be here, except for moving to Nashville a few months ago. I've spent my entire life in Chicago with the exception of four years where I lived here in St. Louis. Let's go. Live right near Forest Park. Forest Park. In the KPLR TV building. Okay. Went to Wash U. Just like, I love St. Louis. It's a great city. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, I hate like tooting our own horn. Like, I don't like doing that, but I feel like I got to say this. So like, if you're listening to this episode, one of the things that we are celebrating, which we need to cheers to, 
is over a million downloads from manufacturing. Let's go. Because like, Let's go. So cheers to that. Yes. So that. No, because at the time of this recording, we are just under that. So by the time this recording comes out, we will have Unless, surpassed like, a million Unless we say downloads. something wrong and we just get canceled right at like 999,000. <laughs> 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 Unless Drew, yeah, like his say, episode. Are you, know, you sure you want to put me out for <laughs> the minute? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Count the chickens before they hatch. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's a big deal because we really do focus on the manufacturing leader. So like we are talking to the shop owner, the operations manager, the person who's managing a sales team or marketing or something like that, or somebody that's in charge of quality control. We're not just talking to everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we appreciate everybody that has been listening to Even us. Even though everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Yeah. So it's like yeah. four leaders of manufacturing companies, but I'll just give an example. Well, we like the life. aspiring manufacturing leader exactly. as well. Exactly. Because like I'm an entrepreneurial guy. We're about to talk to another one on this episode. And I remember Googling how to start a startup. Right. Yeah. If you Google that, if you YouTube that, you can watch, if it's still out there, it probably is. You can watch like the entire computer science class, like the whole, all the classes, full, like there's a camera in the back of the classroom at Stanford mm-hmm. where wow. Airbnb was created. Yeah. Yeah. Like totally. where yeah. all these great startups were created. You could just sit there and watch that class. Yes. So my point is like, yeah, you don't get a degree from watching YouTube from Stanford, but you can get the same education. And if you want to be a manufacturing leader, you can learn Listen to making chips. a lot Listen. from making chips. Yeah, yes. Well, not that we're Stanford or anything. We're going to give you <laughs> enough ideas to keep you busy for the next 10 years. And you're going to hear from a lot of leaders who already run stuff. Now, right? that's I mean? what I love. I love the amount of perspectives that you all do bring on right. the show because... There are some manufacturing leaders right now that don't know that they're a manufacturing leader. Yeah. But when they hear stories like they're going to hear today or like they heard with Dan our last episode or like they're going to hear on our next one, they might be equipped and have all of the tools, but like, they've, never, they've never seen somebody yeah. that's done I'm not it that from different where they're than at. That guy right, that girl, right, man. right. Or whoever that is. So I think that's dope. I'll also say this, just to throw something back at you guys that you guys kind of threw at me, making the podcast our industry needed that. We mm. didn't have, or I wasn't aware of anything that I could as a machinist that had bigger ambitions listen to on the way home that is going to help me hone in on this thing, yeah, right? right? Or help me identify other people that I could go listen to more or go research more to make me better, right? So thank you all for doing that for yeah. sure because we still want to learn. We still want to hone our craft and we didn't have that space at the time. But the thing that you guys threw at me that I want to throw back at you is quality, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that kept me working after you all show is I know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And when the next call came, I delivered quality, right? Yeah, and there was quality, substance to it. Quality and substance keeps you working and yeah. keeps you at the top. Yeah. So yeah. you guys have been here for this long and been able to continue to build and sustain because people are getting something from it. So yeah. well, had on your own backs as well. I know you guys know you're putting substance out there, but that's the proof. That's the validation. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of quality, I just drove in five hours to be here in St. Louis. (laughs) We didn't just jump on a Zoom call to do this podcast. Nick just drove in four hours. We only record in person. Like, (laughs) when you look across the table from somebody... And you drink a beer with them. Right. It's a different conversation. And you juggle nine. And it's really hard to quantify that. 100%. And then I also say this. I want to pose this kind of scenario, right? I think you guys are like the four minute mile, right? Was it the four or the five minute mile? Where it's like, yo, for 500 years, nobody's been able to break yeah, yeah. that mark. And then when the first guy did it, 
everybody knew it was possible. So now yeah. people are training and running sub four. That's became the new standard, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that great for our industry, you guys reaching that four minute mile and being able to show people that it's possible. That million downloads. Come on, bro. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? That platinum yeah. record, that platinum yeah, and, plaque on the wall. Yeah. Dude. And yeah, we uh, both have our other jobs. I mean, right. you're a perfect example. Like you've taken off, you've made this your full time thing. Like, yeah. You're bigger than making chips now. So <laughs> stop it. And that we get excited about that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we got a bunch of new stuff coming. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Before we introduce our special guest, shout out to Brandon Dempsey and oh, the yeah. team at Go Brand Go for letting us use their studio and what's here. What's Conflux? Is that, we yeah, are live at Conflux. Conflux. What's the mission of Conflux? So the mission of Conflux is pretty deep, but I'll try to keep it tight, is that there's a lot of manufacturers that need a lot of auxiliary services. They need marketing. They need someone to help teach them how to go hire new people. They might even need someone like me to convey messages in a different way and teach people soft skills. And this is like a hub where you're going to get a taste of all of that, right? And a lot of manufacturers have kind of left the city proper, but that's still where all the people and the work and all those things are. So with Conflux, we're saying like, you don't have to be a marketer. You don't have to be a community leader. You don't have to be all these things, but you have access to all of them here in this building. It's as a co-learning well manufacturers. Yeah, yes. so you're learning from each other. And they got a tap yes. with some good local craft beer. So oh, we keep it. I'm, re keep I'm it reading my cup right now. Conflux, there you go. A co-learning. And it's co-learning specifically for the manufacturing community. So that's cool. This is not just a regular like co-working space. This is not WeWork. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is MFG work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Dope. All right, cool. So why don't you introduce our guest, man? All right. So I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to cross paths with this young man on his way to MFG stardom. To greatness. It's <laughs> a greatness, yes. And this is a kid that has a lot of the qualities that we're you looking for. call him a kid, for. but he's got a beard. He's so grown. He's got bro. a better beard than here without a beard. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I feel like a kid. When he was just growing that thing. You know what I'm saying? And, now it's better than Nick. Right. It's better than mine, right? Yo. So I've been blessed to be a small part of his journey. And everywhere I go, you probably heard me talk about him in a keynote, talk about him to youth and job seekers. But he is definitely somebody that I'm inspired by think he'll inspire you all as well. This is my boy, Kyle Stoff, a.k.a. Revenge of the Blades. Revenge of the Blades. Yo, what up, what up, man? Yeah, it's nice to have you. Nice to be on. First podcast. I think so. you are our first blade manufacturer because I know that that's like a hot industry right now amongst machinists and stuff like that. Who's John Saunders partner? Grimsmo. Yeah. Grismo, yeah. Like, or Grismo. I've talked with him about being on the show and I've meant to sign up to get one of his blades and I don't know, it just never happened. But like now I've got the person that's on the path. Now we got blades that get revenge. If Grismo has, ever wants to like reach out to us, we're more than welcome. But now we got the young kid. Yeah. We got the Maverick. Is he maybe even one of the youngest guests that you guys have had? Probably. I'm going to make it. Dad, I think he's the sharpest guest. <laughs> hey, let's, go. Go. let's go. Yeah. No, you. but definitely one of the sharpest. And I know I gave a little bit of intro, but I want to get him started because I want to brag on him a little more. But we talk about intuitiveness and we talk about introspect and this was a kid when he came on a visit to the campus who knew what he wanted he knew that his current situation and doing what other kids around him was doing wasn't going to get him the life that he wanted the job that he wanted the career that he wanted and he also was really into the things that he loved so 
we're walking around campus and I'm trying to get this kid to come to this school and he's not like a huge speaker. So I'm not really pulling too much out of him technically. And I don't know if he really is excited about the department or what. But he's uh, telling me about he does parkour and he likes butterfly knives. And I was like, okay, something in there, I can get him, right? Yeah. So, oh, it's parkour. Oh, you don't know what is that, that is? Is that a game with the uh, dog? No. no, dude. <laughs> so, it's too old, parkour, man. Parkour, yeah. No, no dog. No, it's parkour. all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it a card game? It's with- a- you're the new Jim Carr. We're actually here to help. Don't even. Not that old. Right? Don't no. even. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Dude, like, yeah. Have you ever seen people like jump off of buildings and, and like, like do, a do all those tricks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. freestyle, like running and walking where you're doing all these crazy like jumps. Street ballet. Yes. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. You can't pretty call much it that. The classier form. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Pretty, pretty I'm kidding. much everything you do could kill you. I'm kidding. Yeah. Right, right. And so, everything that you look at is a uh, jungle gym. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. back in my college days, I used to rollerblade and I used to go to Forest Park and okay. go down the stairs backwards. Okay. And right I forgot to like skitching off yeah. the side of like yeah. the different stuff. So you were it, beginning yeah. stages of parkour. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of so, like way lamer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got wheels on your feet, bro. So these are the things that he was into. And I was like, okay, somewhere in here, I can find something to get this kid like into this industry and I wanted to fill this class up. I've got this, like, he was my second class. I got this newfound energy of, like, just really changing the world with these kids and, yeah. like, having these super monster dope machinists that I could brag about. And I was excited. So I was going to use him for my own good, right? <laughs> and he pulled out, I don't remember if it was, like, a practice one or something. Maybe he had a bandage on his finger or something. But he was like, yeah, and I love, I forget the name that he said. And it basically was flipping knives. And I was like, okay, I got him. What kind of knife is that? Were you doing all the tricks with it? Most people know it as a butterfly knife, but the proper name is Balasong. 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 Yeah. And that's where the... Yep. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. that. You see. So you had the talent with the Balasong. Yep. And then you decided to start manufacturing them. Yes. Yeah. And okay. possibly you were making them by hand, right? When we I was. Met, or were you about to get into that stage? Exactly. Yeah, I was making them by hand. I was like... Doing all the parkour stuff. So I was the ninja guy with the knife. Yeah. That's cool. So at Blooming, I'm like, okay, perfect. I get it. This kid is making these precision blades with his hand. Yeah. So that means he's outside or inside his house in his basement. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, this is how I got him. You like making knives. What if this machine did all of the work that you didn't want to do? And I can teach you how to do that and take this to the next level, right? So you, you just figured out your way in, man. That was my way. That was yeah. how I put my foot in the door, but he kicked it down. We got to bring your wife on for an episode because yeah. like, you just figure out your angle, man. Once you got that chink in the armor, you're just... I probably got it from her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go to like, that's awesome because yeah. we never get the perspective of like the instructor who was like, hey, this is where I found something that he... I can hang on to. Okay, so like, Take us back to before you were in machining at all. Bring us to the beginning of the story. You didn't know Rankin. You didn't know Drew. What was going on in your life? I was, like he was saying, I was the parkour guy. That's what I was doing through high school. And I worked at a gymnastics gym, actually. I was a gymnastics coach through high school for like four years. I would flip the butterfly knives and I made this Instagram account where I would post videos of me flipping the butterfly knife. And I had one of the trainer ones with the fake blade. And I was like, I want to put a real blade on it. <laughs> and I didn't have much. My dad's a real hands-on guy. So I had some just like very raw files and drills and stuff. So I made this blade. I was like a freshman in high school. And I put it on this handles and I posted it on Instagram. And it kind of got a lot of attention. 
So I was making them through and I was doing it just completely by hand. I had like a drill press, a hand drill and a bunch of files and butterfly knives, the handle of them, they have like this channel in it. And I didn't know anything about machining. I was like drilling a bunch of holes in a line and taking like an angle grinder and, and like grinding out this channel took hours like the space between the holes yep i I noticed that was kind of seemed like your trademark in the butterfly knives that's the story behind the holes yeah yeah you're right on when you were on the site you kind of discovered that that yeah i noticed that that there was something about like those holes that were i know i'm not supposed to be like doing this while we're recording what is the url what is the site it's an instagram page called revenge of the blades all right i'll be on there right now Hey, Nick, thanks for sending me that shop tour video that you just did. That was great. Yeah, you know, I got the idea from one of my customers, and they told me that when they have a prospect visit their shop for a tour, they have an over 90% close rate. Well, you know, with all of these supply chain problems, people are setting up new vendors all the time. Why not send them one of those videos instead? Yeah, it was great. The ThomasNet team helped me. They sent somebody to my facility, and they were able to kind of capture a shop tour without it being in person. So you can check that out on my ThomasNet profile, Advanced Machine and Engineering, or Hennig. We actually had two of them done. That's great. And I talked to ThomasNet about this, and they said that they can send a camera with short notice anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. And when you go to ThomasNet, you can engage with a half a million suppliers, 78,000 categories of products, and every month they have 1.5 million buyers searching out suppliers. And videos are a great way for people to find out about your facility. Yeah, and it's really easy to sign up. You just go to the website, thomasnet.com, and a few clicks and you'll be right there. So go to business.thomasnet.com slash programs, and that'll take you directly to sign up for one of their videos. That's business.thomasnet.com slash programs. And so (laughs) one of the things that blew me is, again, I come from the hood of St. Louis, had a lot of travels, but I never ran into a butterfly knife. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And knives, I didn't know the range of knives. I didn't know the uses of them. I didn't know how big they were, whatever that was. But here this kid comes and I need him and he's like yeah, flipping oh, his knife, right? Dude. So it's like, okay, getting to know him, like how are you doing this? What are you doing in this process was just like so time and labor intensive compared to how you would do it in a shop. And so not only did I see I got him there, but what I saw in him and I identified in him is I would ask him, like, where are you getting your materials? And he's like, oh, I'm just getting whatever scrap I can find. And then I made a mold out of sand and I'm like melting it down. And this is how I'm making the blades. And then at lunchtime, he would go to lunch. He would get a box, like a random box and collect bottle tops from the classes. And These stuff are like so that. cool looking, man. Man, they're crazy. Thank so you. then he's melting down bottle caps and he's making like the handles and the different pieces. And it's like, OK. If this dude can do all of this just ingenuity wise and like without these machines, imagine if we put him in front of the tools that can help him really do all of these things that he's doing. And the fact that he went outside of himself to say, "Okay, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have that. But that's not going to stop me from making these knives was something that I identified. I was like, yo, he can do anything in life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how did you make that shift from being more on the kind of the scrappy side of things to really professionally making a knife on a CNC machine. I love that. Scrappy. Yeah. Double on time. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. A thousand percent was it was. Uh, I was making them, like I said, grinding them out. It took hours. And I, when I was in high school, we had a bridge port, just a manual milling machine in my shop class that I had never used before. And I was talking to my teacher there. This was like freshman year of high school. And I showed him what I was doing. 
and how long it was taking me. And he was like, you need to be milling, milling that slot. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so he like, showed like flour? Me. Like no. <laughs> yeah. So he showed me on the machine there, Bridgeport, how to mill that channel. And he showed me that. And that same day, that was freshman year, I went home and I went on eBay and I bought a used machinist textbook okay. from like okay. 1970. <laughs> nice. Well, they don't change much. Right. You know, right. Yeah, right. for now with the CNCs. Right. Because I was like, what is this? And he's like, this is just machining. It's a machinist school. So I bought that textbook and I read that just through high school in my free time. I just read that textbook and my knives got better. And I was like, okay, when I graduate, I want to go into machining to make the knives better. And I found Rankin, the tech school. Met your boy. Yes. Had, <laughs> he had the best showing of the campus ever. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of uh, just high school. I was. You were more hands-on. Yeah, I was not into high school. So I graduated early. I finished all my credits early and I didn't do my senior year. I wanted to go to Rankin. And so I was like, okay, I have this year gap now that I'm free my senior year. And so I was like, I'm going to go. And I heard about a program at Rankin that you could be a student worker. And I was like, I want to get in early and do that. So I went on a shadow attack there a year early and I met Drew there. And that's where I started working in that program. Yeah. So Mr. Crow and no, just <laughs> <laughs> you, just you can't do that. Yeah. You already got like, yeah. a, some, I can just see you up at the chalkboard. My name is Mr. Crow. <laughs> right, you right, got too many nicknames. Yeah. Just gotta I get like a, they call me the MFG. That's all it was going to be. <laughs> Mr. Crow. Or Drew. So back to mentorship, back to sponsorship. Back to identifying talent and filling those pipelines. If we didn't have that opportunity, and I had to pull some strings to get him on campus and working for us before, because he worked for me for maybe six months or three months, maybe six, before classes even started. Yep. So he was in the shop every day with me running highs. That's like real. You probably were like just salivating over the idea of a student who finds a machinist handbook, on. goes before class. It's like, like, God, you gave me this kid. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That's awesome. And bro. what was even doper is now I can take his expertise and his drive and use him as a model for other kids, yeah. right? So he naturally started leading the work program and became like my mini foreman. And there were kids that were there way longer than him, right? And so that brought that standard up and that culture up. And so if we have, again, these opportunities where it's like, okay, this person might not be the most polished machinist right away, but they've got the drive and they want to be, and they're like doing these things on the difference on their own time, let's engage them. Let's figure out what we can do in this gap between where they are now and where they want to be to help them get to that position. Yeah, no, I love that. And you were always pretty much singularly focused on, I want to be a better knife manufacturer. Yes, exactly. Even coming out of high school, you were focused on like, how do I make a commercial enterprise out of this knife making? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point, Jason, because like sometimes people are like, oh, it's too much of a niche. No, no. Like I, I mean, think the more I think of it's a great that he had that yeah. vision and then he knew what he was focused on. I mean, there's not enough kids out there, I should say it that way, but like people that they have a passion and they're like, how do I make something out of it? And you were passionate about flipping the knives, whatever that is called, but then you transition that into the knife manufacturer. I mean, why are they you... mostly butterfly knives or pretty much all butterfly knives? Yeah, like 99% I make butterfly knives. I do make some other knives, but yeah, it's like, what 99%. was that word again? Balasong. Balasong. The official word. But why did you want to get into manufacturing? To make more knives. Simple. It was spending hours doing it by hand. 
and they taught me how to use that milling machine and I was like pretty much set okay. <laughs> from like freshman year of high school. Okay. Like, and then you went to the Bridgeport and now you've even graduated up from there to CNC. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's the point. Like, all right, so 99% butterfly knives. Yeah. You know how much competition you would have if you tried to be like just knives, like all knives? Right. I know. Right. You exactly. know, you're going against like point. these yeah. huge companies, you know. And then think about this when I don't know if the audience peeped this, but I'm going to run it back. You asked him, what's the website? Did he give you an actual www? Or I go, what's the URL? He's like, what's that? Non-traditional. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm I saying? I love it, dude. And he's not only reaching his customers, but he's letting them dictate how much they want to pay for these things. And it's still astronomical amounts of money. Okay, that's what I want to get into. Because Jason and I are ready to talk about like, all right, entrepreneur or whatever. Like, how much can you sell a knife for? These knives are sick, though. I'm telling you, they look fresh. I don't even think he's scratched the surface yet of what he can sell these things for because like this one all right this here i'm showing it to him right now but i think we like this one right here because it's kind of yep. got that like new theme colors that we're about to release yep that nice give me an idea like what something like that would that one was one thousand eight hundred dollars <laughs> wow nice, dude. yeah so i think he's keeping himself a little bit boxed in he did love making knives but I could put, and this was one of the problems I had as an instructor, is like, I can put any blueprint in front of this kid, especially when we got into CAD CAM and CNC, and that's mostly what I taught. I didn't teach a lot of the yeah. manuals and stuff like that, but yeah. he did well there too. But when he got into my classes, I could put any print in front of him and he'd program it two different ways. You know what I'm saying? In yeah. like five minutes, he could proof it out in the machine and then he had nothing else to do. So what I learned was, let me start building a curriculum that he can decide what he builds and makes. Sure. So once he was finished making, and I don't work there anymore, so I can say this, but I literally changed their whole third semester the student dictates what they're taught, right? Mm -hmm. Dictates a lesson. I think we've been talking about the Bible a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things about Jesus and his ability to translate this message to everybody because he walked with literally the mm -hmm. lowest of the low. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And so my thing is, I know where he needs to be and I know his potential, but he doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. But he does know what he likes. So if I can say, okay, this is where he is, this is what he likes, I can make the lesson that he deems necessary and then get him to where he needs to yeah, be. Yeah, you can have the right message for the right person so they, exactly. they know how to Some hear Some people it, are yeah. going to get parables because they're there. Mm -hmm. Some people need it written out black and white. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's and good. so he True. was at the Preaching place where there. he was beyond black and white. He was in the parable yeah, place. So yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to change this third semester to, I think we called it like a comb that he was making where he designed, okay, take your knife designs and we're going to build your project around this. Yeah. So make me an actual print, make it to dimensions that I can measure, that you can show me that you made these dimensions, choose your material, choose your cutting tools, and then make what you just designed and I'll grade you to that. It's a lot like I went to art school, you know, and so early in art school, you're learning different techniques, how to work with different mediums and things like that. And then you really don't become an artist until you get your own style. There's a lot of really good artists out there who can like, I can paint just like this guy or I could draw just like that guy or this girl. But then you start... What do we get from that? Like your third semester is when you start to be like, oh, that looks like one of Nick's pieces or yes. one of Sarah's pieces or whatever. So you were like, what's cool about you, dude, is like you were locked into this butterfly knife thing. It yes. was part of like your identity, flipping these knives around, flipping yourself around, doing the parkour thing. You kind of started with your style. That's what's so cool about it. A lot yes. of people learn machining and then they don't even know, like, oh, I'll just make the parts that my company tells me to make. And that's fine. So back to that, and this is advice that I try to give a lot of people. We can talk about the what, we can talk about the how, 
we make a lot of dope stuff. Mm-hmm. We make them in really cool machines. But if you lead with the why, like why do you want yeah. to get in this or why do you think you do or why do you do what you do, then we can get to the what and the how. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because yeah. like you came in with like his why was that simple. Not. I just want to make butterfly exactly. knives without doing it manually. <laughs> I'll make it with my hands in my basement. <laughs> yeah. I'll make it on these machines. I'll do whatever. So the what and the other, like it wasn't as important as the why. And I think that we can highlight those things. We can engage the next leaders of manufacturing. So it doesn't stay there. Not just the knives, which you're killing the game with, but you were one of my first students that I sent on an internship and you're still with that company today. Yeah, because I'm kind of doing the math a little bit. Like, how many knives can you make in a week? Well, I still work full time at an aerospace company. Yeah. But if I didn't work that and I just did knives, I've mathed out a lot of times. I could probably get like four or five a week. All right. Well, now you're making some money because you can sell them for... $1,800. I'm not sure what it costs you, but Mm -hmm. still, it's going to be hard to just be totally on your own, only making knives. And that's talking about our art school. Like (laughs) the deeper I got in art school, I was thinking, like, man, I want to marry this girl. She's going to want like a house and stuff. How do I do that? Like, like, this is hard. Yes. So, all right, you have another job. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So let's go back to that, Drew. Like, so again, I kind of took over this department that was, had been lacking in the eyes of the industry and honestly so. And I got this new shiny student that is about to be my little soldier in changing the perception of this department. And I understood that hiring a kid after they graduate is far too late for our industry. You need to make this introduction early. You need to let them know who you are, figure out their why, work on that why, make that impression. And so because of that, we kind of changed the way that our curriculum was set up at the school. We went from regular semesters to eight weeks in the classroom and in our shop to eight weeks in our shop and in the classroom to internships. And this aerospace company called me and they're like, we need a kid. And I knew that I had to send them my best. So him and I had this conversation and I was like, look, bro, saying about you, it's about my kids now. (laughs) (laughs) I got to put food on the table and I need this thing to work. And I really, really believe in you. And it's obviously not knives. But I saw the more that he learned metals, he learned materials, he learned machines, he learned cutting tools. Now his knives were being made out of different materials. And he would experiment with, okay, I can use this dope material for the handle and the weight. And like all those things are aerospace aligned, right? Because these things can't be too heavy. We're working with exotic metals. And naturally, these are things that he was leaning into. And I knew that he could pretty much read a blueprint, set up any machine. I really put a lot of time into him, right? And he put it into himself, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when those two things meet, it's just a recipe for success. So I sent him out on this eight-week internship that turned into after graduation career. He's still there and choosing to be there. So I want to ask you, and I we haven't had to had the chance to talk about this, but what was it on that first internship that made you stay? And why are you still there when you could be slinging knives full time? I was excited about the internship because aerospace was like kind of a passion of mine. I like read up on that stuff and watch it. So I went there and going into Rankin, my whole thing was like, this is for the knives. This is when mm-hmm. I graduate, I'm going full-time knives. But I did this internship and I met like some crazy, crazy cool people there. And I met like the older machinists that have been there for a while. And I was just like awestruck by this big shop and these crazy machines. But as I worked there, it was like, I realized how hard it was to keep people, you know, to mm-hmm. keep people around. There was yeah. like, I was the youngest kid there. Yeah. And I think I still, I was for a while. And 
after I was there for a while, they started hiring other interns. But I was like, man, there's like not many people doing this. I realized they need so much help. And mm-hmm. all the companies are like that right now. They need this help so bad. So I mathed it out and everything. And I could have just gone full time knives. I still could. It's just really a need. It needs to be done. You just yeah. feel like you have a duty. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like... You still got some good friends and mentors and stuff there? Oh, yeah. Those guys are great. I still see them. So talk about the difference in machines, right? So like... Oh, yeah. What are you Gigantic. making knives on right now? I'm making knives on a Haas Mini Mill. A 2007 okay. Haas Mini Mill. And then like, what are you working with at? Can we say where you're at? You're at Horizon? Yep. Yeah, Horizon okay. Aero Structures in St. Yeah. Louis. They got a couple buildings but, but i imagine there's one. some pretty robust oh, yeah. machines there yeah, yeah. there's mazax that i can lay down on the table and stand yeah. and get, walk inside of them so do you run verticals horizontals five axis yep. mills everything yeah, yeah. they got a they don't like put you on one machine no i think we could speak to that right yes and yeah. so again that was another thing that i not only loved about this company but i think that we can all learn from i myself being in a machine shop and being on the hiring side before i went into teaching, no matter how dope I knew he was, I was like, if I send a 17-year-old kid into this type of environment, he's even the youngest that I have in my class because he left early, high school early, right? So I know all of these things, but I risk the chance of putting him and all of his ability into this shop that is then going to have him sweeping up. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And then that might kill this Because they'll thing. have this like, uh, you got to pay your dues, buddy. Right. I started sweeping. This is the way I did. This is the way we always do it, right? I and guess there's something to that kind of, but really it'll just it kill does. Kid like you do. It does. You would not. And if you don't know this person, then you don't have that insight to where, okay, it's got to be different for them. But luckily they did. And he even surprised me. I try to give a lot of the kids before I sent them out on internships the disclaimer hey, we're still in an industry that's figuring it out and we're in the transition, but there's a lot of tradition and there's a lot of the way things were. That was my rise in the shop, sweeping to manuals, to CNCs, to with a programming. And it took years. This might happen to you, but he came back off his internship. I'm checking in every week and he's like running machines and he's running like machines. We had, we're a high technical education center. So he never saw a Mazak actually in class, but now he's running Mazaks. And I think it was their innovation and therefore we're thinking like, yo, we might have something special here if we just sit him on a bridge port and he's just making holes, punch press, whatever, we might lose him. So that was a way for the industry to come in and help me and teach him concepts that we couldn't afford. We couldn't have a fifth axis machine. That's why we got a trunnion from y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you. <laughs> so I think that that's what the perfect relationship looks like. And again, for manufacturing leaders and aspiring leaders out there, there's a way to keep talent without racing. It's like, oh, we'll pay you more than this person. or we'll do this. Like, you don't have to bend financially. You don't have to bend even culturally. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of great things that happen in manufacturing and they're great for this next generation, but we just have to make them work for the company and the people that are coming in. Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. So what would you say to somebody that's like a young, aspiring, or it doesn't even have to be young, but like an aspiring manufacturing entrepreneur, somebody that wants to take whatever they're passionate about and make a career out of it, or at least get started in that direction? I would say that there's just a lot more, there's a way more opportunity than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. I'll tell my friends, like, think about every day when you're driving to work or whatever you're doing your whole life, there's dozens of buildings you pass every day and you have no idea what goes on inside of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Think about how many like just gray face buildings you pass every day and you don't know what goes on in there. Mm-hmm. That's everywhere. And 
a lot of it's machining. It's like this aerospace place is making parts for satellites that launch mm-hmm. into space and it's just a gray building from the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's actually all around you. It just, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't have as good of a face mm-hmm. for us to see. It's like you drive past like an automotive shop and their sign's got a car on it. Mm-hmm. You know what that is. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You drive past a machine shop and it's gray and it says, Acme machine, machine tool. Yeah. Nobody knows what that means. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, machine tool. I bet you ninety percent of people who see that think it's like hand tools. Yeah, right. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the sign was probably painted on forty years ago when Grandpa started the right. shop, mm-hmm. and it's the same one. So it's been yeah. said machine tool something, but we don't know. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, all of us with everything you're doing with the new American manufacturing renaissance, yes. the MFG, the Revenge of the Blades, making chips. We're trying to like put a little paint on that sign, get people to figure this out. Let's go. You know, everything around you, like we're looking in this room. This reminds me of my episode with Paul thinking machinist. Yeah, I was just thinking that same thing. You know, the microphone in your hand, the phone in your hand, the TV on the wall, even Mm -hmm. things that are made out of plastic or whatever. Like there's machining touching all of that. Yes. At some point in the process. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty wild. So what's the end game, dude? What's the end game for you? Are you going to go into the full-time? He's going to hire me for (laughs) (laughs) R&D. For recruiting. I always told this kid. You'll never have a shortage of people making knives. The craziest part is he became like somewhat of a legend in our hallways. And by his second semester, he had first semester kids working for him yes, under, under the table. So he's already got the conglomeration <laughs> blowing up. The table yeah, yeah. Taxes, yeah. And I so, tell him all the course. time, man, one day you're going to be hiring me <laughs> for sure. So No, what is it? I mean, what's the end game? I don't know. I'm trying to rock out both right now as yeah. much as I can. It's really hard because I work 12 hour night shifts. And make knives during the day and on the weekend. Yeah. And I'm doing both. And w- so would you recommend that? Would you recommend like someone's got the entrepreneurial spirit, they have a product in mind or a passion for making this type of thing. Would you recommend that they just jump in with both feet or? Because we were talking before, like, hey, I, w- I have some concerns. Yeah. I think that running a business, like being your own boss, I hear that term thrown around so much. I want to yeah. be my own boss. Like, I want to choose my own hours. It's like. If you become your own boss, you don't have hours anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like all the hours. Seven. That's your hours. You have to work all the hours. Yeah, your hours are 24-7. And becoming your own boss is not just like, for me, it was like, okay, I make knives. I'm going to start a business now. It's not just making knives. Now I have to learn business taxing. I have to learn business finance, yeah. how to register a business. It's like 10 different skills come into that. It's like, how often do you actually get to make knives? Yeah, yeah. People don't see that side of it. I mean, I did have a time to start while I was going to Rankin. So I started the business there and now I'm working also. So I kind of had a lead into it, but... Let's not sugarcoat it too much because your day at Rankin wasn't easy either. You know what I'm saying? And I remember a lot of times when we had some pretty hefty assignments that you would not only be in class working on, you'd work a shift for me after class, four hours, go home, do what you had to do, do homework, come back in. And this kid used to come the next day with a jug of coffee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, dude. And when other kids in his same class, you got to remember, this is college. So we got 18 to 21 year old kids and they're living in dorms and around the campus. They were kicking it on the weekends and Thursday nights and coming in, you know, whatever. And he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was the difference between the kid that's going to be a great machinist or the kid that's going to run a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, you got the grind. The grind his ability, man, to grind it out. And like, yeah. 
understand that. And I saw the other Obviously kids. Obviously, a lot of like natural talent. You're kind of bent for this, but yeah, you've got the grind. You can tell. You don't buy a machinist handbook from eBay and read it before you're even in Come school. Come on, bro. You got the grind. Right, right. <laughs> That's cool, man. Speaking of the grind, he's running CNC grinders as well. We taught him that too. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome, yeah. man. There you go. I think we should get a knife. I mean, so we can do it. We should have a making chips knife. Kyle, we're putting you on the spot a little bit here. Would you make a making chips butterfly knife or a ballet song? A making <laughs> there we go. Song? <laughs> we learned. Would you be willing to like make a special making chips edition? We'll make a limited edition making chips. Knife. You can say no. Absolutely. We'll edit it Absolutely. out if you say no. We'll do it. All right. Cool. So, like, from design to this thing is real, and someone can try to figure out how to get it from us. Yeah, well, well, you sell a lot of your knives on auction, right? Yeah. So for those manufacturing leaders out there, if you want the making chips manufacturing knife, I mean... I do want to add like a little bit more to this because the auction idea is so cool. As a marketing guy, it's just so cool how you do this because I've been collecting like bourbons lately, trying to find <laughs> oh, okay. like good rare bourbons. Shout out to Mike Payne. Sometimes rare allocated bourbon, you'll be in like a Facebook group and it's super hard to find because there's only so many produced and then you'll like pay to get a chance at this thing. Like you pay for like a lottery ticket, you might not get Mm -hmm. it. I don't do that, but I got friends who do. Is it similar? That's kind of like what I'm getting from this auction idea. It is similar. Yeah, I did. I do auctions kind of often. Sometimes I just post it and put a price on it. Yeah. And I do what's called a lottery. Okay. So it's like after a couple of years of doing it, I would post one and be like, okay, this knife's for sale. And instantly I got like 15 DMs in the same second. And it's like, who was first? <laughs> you don't yeah. know. Wow. So I would do what I call, I'd do mostly now, I just call it lottery or a lotto for short. Mm-hmm. And I just post the knife for a set price. And I say, you can enter for free. And everybody enters and I just randomly pick one. And then and they, they get, get to it. buy it. Gotcha. So it's more fair way. Is that the way to do it for this Making Chips audience? Is that the way to do it? Like just do a lotto, you'll throw a price out there. There's lotto or there's auction. Yeah. Yeah. How it, do you want to do it? It depends what you're selling. But well, we making this night, baby. We Yeah, this is happening. As exotic of a material as we can. Yeah, yeah. I've committed you I'll to I'll start the opening I'll... bid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> can I get one without an auction? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We can do an auction. Is that the way to do it? Uh, Yeah, let's do an auction. All right, cool. You'll design it. You'll take a photo like what I'm looking at right here. Okay. And then we'll be like... All of us will post it on social. You, Drew, me, Jason, Making Chips, all the 16 nicknames and channels you got rocking. You dig. Yeah. All right. And then we'll get this thing sold. How many of each? Do you just make one? For this one? Yeah. We'll do them all special. We'll do okay. It. Yeah. We can well, maybe do a couple, but they all got to be I need to special. get one, too. This is so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to sit here be flipping this thing around, cutting my fingers off. Oh, man. Oh, hey, let's do <laughs> As his instructor, I'm still waiting for mine. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he did make me some really dope stuff. So, I appreciate it. There you go. That's boy. cool. Kyle, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no thanks problem. for coming on, Kyle. Really, really cool story. And, Drew, I'm going to pass this over to you. So, if you're not making chips, you're not making knives. And you definitely ain't making money. Bam. <laughs> Bam. <laughs>